Okay, well, our theme uh, for this uh, short class is how to open the Bible with your kids. And uh, so it's obviously not talking about taking them to Faith Kids classes or to Awana on Wednesday night. It's about you as parents uh, opening the Bible with your kids. But here's kind of what I've got in mind. Uh, first, what, why is this an important topic? Why is it worth spending an hour on Monday night for six weeks? What does the Bible say about it? What Bible should I use? A Bible storybook for kids? Uh, the ESV, like we use in church on Sunday morning? How do I address this diverse age problem? Uh, my uh, family I grew up in was nine years from oldest to youngest. My family, my, my four kids are nine years oldest to youngest. And I, I remember a very painful evening. And we were trying to relate to the, young, the two younger ones and the two older girls as early teenagers were totally fed up with the silliness. And uh, so it was not one of those times we threw up our hands and said, we give up, but we couldn't do that. Um, when do we do it? Uh, do you do it every day? That's a pretty high goal. Uh, morning, dinner, bedtime. Is there any time that will work? How do I respond to failures? Uh, multiple failures. Um, what do I do? Here's a totally different subject. What do I do with hard passages? Uh, if you're reading your Bible to your kids, do you read about Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis? Do you read the book of Judges? Uh, to your kids. Now, you've got the sanitized version of Gideon, uh, in which he's a great biblical hero. If you read the whole story of Gideon, you, you, you might be a little concerned about sharing that with your kids. And there's other passages in Judges that are just awful. Um, how about the Song of Solomon? Well, I guess it depends on how you interpret it, but how are you going to teach that to your kids or, or read it? Um, 1 Corinthians 6 and Romans 1, as it talks about sexual sin, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, you're going to read that passage that talks about marriage and the importance of the sexual relationship being regular in marriage, and read that to your kids and hope they don't ask any questions, or are you going to talk to them about it? So that gets into a whole new topic. Um, how do I help my kids see that the Bible is not just a bunch of stories, which it is, but it's also one story from beginning uh, to end. And, and that's a definite goal to, uh, or a, a, a concern that I have to what is the one storyline of the Bible? And your two-year-old, you're not going to be able to get too far with that theme, but you can start with it, I believe. And by the time you get to your teenagers, um, hopefully they can begin to follow what that storyline of the Bible is and where is the gospel in the Old Testament and it pops up all over the place, and uh, so um, that, that's a concern. And then another idea is how do I build doctrinal truth um, into my uh, kids? So those are some of the things I hope to cover, but I'm going to start by sharing my story, and my story covers three generations. And so if you'll bear with me just a little bit, some of you may be a little bit familiar because I, I've certainly told some of this before, but um, it's, it, it's a story of success and failure and hopes and just everything all mixed together. But I'm going to start out with what could be a terrifying story because it might be really, really super intimidating, and I don't mean for it to be that. But let me tell you how I grew up. Um, 
most of you know, I'm a Kansas farm boy, uh, raised on a farm in Kansas. Uh, we actually, as a family, sat down together at the breakfast table every morning, hot breakfast, eggs, pancakes, French toast, cereal of all kinds, every cracked wheat cereal, every cornmeal mush cereal, uh, every, every kind you can imagine. And if you did a good job with your other food, you got cornflakes for dessert for breakfast. So now we didn't have any sugared cereal, um, no, no Cheerios, but we got cornflakes. That was really a fancy stuff. Um, after breakfast, the routine was somebody got a big Bible. I mean, a big Bible, uh, one that it, you know, took two, two arms to carry it. And um, one like you might see on a, in a display somewhere. And that was our family Bible. My parents, I think, were given it when they got married. King James Version. And one of them took the Bible and read a passage. I think they had a devotional guide they used. And they read the passage. And then they, well, the other one prayed. The next morning, they switched. And the other person read the Bible. And then the, 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 the other one prayed. And we always knelt down at our chairs around the table. And except when my grandmother visited, she couldn't get on her knees. So she just bent her chin all the way down uh, to extend it out in front of her knees. And so I can still picture my, my grandma praying uh, that way. Well, she never prayed out loud. But um, anyway, those are, those are interesting memories. Now, this evolved over time. My parents uh, realized the King James Version. I mean, that was still the basic Bible. This is 100 years ago, you realize. I mean, literally 65 years ago. So um, they uh, went to a Revised Standard Version, which was controversial at that time. And uh, then they actually used the Living Bible for a while. And then the New American Standard Bible before the NIV and the ESV and those came out. The New American Standard Bible was kind of the the in Bible for, for most evangelicals. And then I don't know when they started this, but they started reading through the Bible from beginning to end at breakfast. Now it would just be one chapter a day. So it takes about three or maybe a little more years to get through the whole Bible. But I heard every word of the Bible read probably more than once uh, at, at breakfast growing up. Um, uh, they didn't skip the hard passages. Uh, they read everything. And uh, when some of those hard passages we talked about, when they read through them, uh, they looked real sober and we didn't ask any questions. So <laughs> they, they, they got through unscathed. Uh, but uh, R-rated stories filled with sex or violence, they just, they just kept going. Uh, my parents did not try to make it relevant to us. Uh, I don't ever remember being read a Bible storybook. Uh, I had some comic book versions of Bible stories that I really loved and went through over and over again. I remember Joseph's story mainly in, in that one, but um, uh, they didn't ask us questions. They didn't explain anything. Sometimes they talked among themselves, and as we got older and as teenagers, we'd maybe interact a bit, but they just read and they prayed. And the age range for that in our family was from infancy to college age. So uh, it, 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 it started, you know, as soon as we were born, we were part of it. And until we left home, uh, did we understand what we were reading? No, they have done a better job to help us understand it. Yes. 
did I find fault with their methodology? Yep, I found big time fault with their methodology, especially as I got older and do what teenagers do, criticize my parents a lot for all their failures and how they did everything wrong. Um, but bottom line is this, on a certain level, I wish I had done what they did that I didn't do. Um, and with, with some adjustments uh, and, and not necessarily at breakfast. But the problem with my story is I realize it is incredibly, it's intimidating. And certainly I didn't match that. I'm grateful for it, uh, but I didn't match it. And I think uh, to set that up as a, or something similar, not exactly like that by any means, but I mean, a lot of you don't even have breakfast together. Does anybody have breakfast together around the table anymore? It's uh, everybody up at the same time. Uh, that hasn't been our pattern. It's kind of everybody does your own thing and special occasions you have breakfast, but you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving, that's about it. <laughs> so um, there, there's probably some wonderful exceptions to that. But um, anyway, I, but I am so grateful for what I call my Timothy heritage. And so these are familiar passages, but let's let's open the Bible just a little bit this evening. And first um, uh, Timothy, second uh, Timothy is is the the go to passage here. Um, and um, I, I realize how much this really is my story. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, would somebody just volunteer to read second Timothy one, three to five? <clears throat> I thank God, whom I serve, as I did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So I love that passage. The question is, was he in a single parent family? Was he simply raised by his mother and grandmother? We don't really know. His father might have been there and not a believer, or his father perhaps was deceased. Uh, we don't know. But from that multi-generation family, um, which was pretty common in uh, other times and other cultures, uh, he had a consistent heritage of uh, a faith that was passed on. And uh, um, so uh, even though his dad wasn't apparently involved in that, uh, it still was, uh, was uh, a rich part of his heritage. Okay, let's go to 2 Timothy 3 then. And this is the passage that I've often said is really my, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17 is really my, personal testimony. Troy, do you have a Bible open there? Could you read that for us? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, thanks. Now that's that's a pretty familiar passage, probably to uh, to most of you. Um, and we've heard it many times. It's a it's a key text in terms of the inspiration of Scripture and what the Bible claims for itself. But 
what touches me there is how Timothy was so impacted from childhood with the consistent exposure to the scriptures. And uh, that's why I call it my, my, my testimony passage, because I've had that same, uh, same uh, blessing, that same uh, privilege. Um, so the idea of some level of consistent exposure to scripture is what we want for our kids, but it's so challenging to create the context, the climate, uh, the, the, the age range, and those ages that are so challenging, they move through them so quickly. And so the challenge is there. The, uh, we've got some more scripture we'll look at if we have time, but um, you get the conviction that, yeah, the Bible tells me to do this, but, but how do I do it? Um, and, and I'm certainly not challenging you to do exactly what my parents did uh, that I'm so grateful for, uh, but I hope uh, to, to challenge you to get started to, with, with something or continue. It sounds like you, you have been doing some things. Uh, but to figure out the way uh, that you can do it and to start out uh, small. Um, when um, my, I have three girls, uh, had two, two girls less than two years apart and then a gap and then a boy and then another three years a girl again. Uh, my boy was interested in basketball from an early age and he and I spent hours playing basketball outside. Um, we added a little concrete patio court um, that looked really big when we poured it. And then about three years later, we realized this thing is so small. So we extended it bigger, bought a new basketball goal that was one of those adjustable ones. Well, now you know, playing basketball, 10 feet is the, is the place to put the thing. And, but we bought an adjustable one and, um, the, we didn't really use it at that level very much, except when we were trying to fake that we could do dunks. So, uh, you know, I could, I could have a picture taken at the right angle with my hands over the rim, putting the ball in, and it looked like I was really a super athlete. So if it's six feet, maybe seven feet, I could do that. That's about it. Uh, but um, my son grew and grew to six foot seven and a half. And, uh, so uh, we still played ball out there when he was tall, but all I could do was three pointers if he would back off because I could never get the ball over him. <laughs> so, and I wasn't a great three point shooter. But my point here is put the goal down. Uh, if it's a 10 foot goal, lower it down to six foot and, um, and, and succeed at that lower level. And then as you succeed, build on success rather than start with big goals and then feel like you failed and a sense of, of wanting to give up. We all fail. We never meet up, match up to our own expectations. So that's just uh, the way it is. So uh, I complained that my parents didn't do it the right way at the time I complained. Now I'm so thankful for it. Next generation, my family, my wife, my four kids, we tried a lot of things to try to be age relevant. We had Bible story books. We, we, we did a lot of different things, but we failed so much to be consistent. I was working late. Uh, we just didn't get to it. We'd feel guilty, try again. 
um, individual times with the kids uh, when there's a big range. Um, sometimes that can be the way to go. Uh, my son at a very early age uh, loved to ask deep theological truths at age four, five, six, uh, deep theological questions that I couldn't answer, but it, it gave us good interaction together, uh, really was bonding for us. Uh, I tried individual stuff with the kids. Um, the, the main problem was me uh, in terms of having a consistent plan that was reasonable. Uh, when we try stuff, we try to make it so relevant that it got too complicated. And so I decided, you know, maybe the best thing is to read a short passage and pray a short prayer and, and say we're done. Um, and so the first thing to do, what's the, what's the name of our class, Joey? How to open the Bible with your kids. Open the Bible and, and read a little bit that, that, that you can build up then toward beginning and reading the, the larger story of the Bible. Um, then one more generation. So I've got my parents, then me as a parent, and now the third generation, me as a grandpa, which will not be the same in all families. We're a bit unusual. We had four generations in one family for, for quite a while. The girls were infants to 11 years old before they their mom got married. Um, Again, I did a lot of things with the girls when they were little. Uh, we had several Bible story books and prayer, but again, not as consistent as they got older. Um, I have had an amazing experience. It took me until I was 69 years old to do this, but uh, I pretty consistently read through the Bible every year myself or, or every two-year plan sometimes. But this year, 2020, was an incredible year as Aiden, my, uh, one of my twin granddaughters, uh, is living with us now for homeschool, and we read through the entire Bible out loud to each other in 2020, and that was, that was quite, an, quite an experience, quite a challenge. It worked because she took on the challenge. She said, Gappy, I can do this, and uh, I suggested skipping some of the heavy prophetic passages in Ezekiel and um, Jeremiah's judgment, judgment, judgment. I said, we don't, we don't have to read all those. Oh, no, we got to read the whole thing. So she took it as a kind of like, I'm going to do a marathon and I'm going to complete it. Uh, but um, again, I would not impose that. I just challenged her to, to do some reading with me. And next thing we know, she had, she had really kind of set the, 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 uh, the bar higher. So we actually pulled it off this year. Uh, but wow, what an experience. You get more out of the Bible when you read it out loud is my experience. And I often read out loud to myself, myself, but not all, not all the time. I still do a lot of silent uh, reading, but to read it to somebody else. And then because she was interested, I was able to say, Hey, you know, I remember we read this back here in the old Testament when we're doing something in the new Testament. And so we're on constantly, if you learn enough of the Bible yourself, then you can relate one passage to the other and, and show more and more how it fits into the Bible storyline. But again, not the place to start. I was 69 before I tried that, and uh, but it's been uh, really, really fun. Um, just a, a few passages. I don't know that we want to take time to necessarily read all these. Well, there's a couple of them I would like to look at. Uh, a couple of passages that actually one that I had totally missed. Uh, let's turn to G uh, Genesis 18. This is uh, right in the middle of the uh, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, section. This is when, when uh, Abraham intercedes, asks God, oh, if there's 
50 people here, 40, 30 keeps bargain, bargaining down and um, to, to try to save the city where his, where his nephew Lot lived. Uh, in the middle of this, um, the Lord said, uh, uh, chapter 18, verse 17, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So that's a reminder of Genesis 12 when God says, through you, I'll bless all the nations of the earth. Verse 19, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he promised him. So on one level, it's an unconditional promise, but the means by which God brings about the fulfillment of that unconditional promise is by passing it to the next generation uh, and teaching the next generation. And so that is, is, um, is, is foundational, even with Abraham. The next one is, is one you've probably heard of, Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And Jesus says that's the greatest commandment. Uh, you find that in the New Testament. And then, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Can't pass it to your kids if it's not on your heart. Shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. So it is an intentionality. There is a plan. There's a structure, I would say, that's, that's part of this. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So in other words, part of this being successful is you have some structure in which you are taking the scripture to your kids or sharing it with them or learning with them. You'll always learn more than they will as you're sharing it with them. But then you talk about it through the day. And I'd say this is probably another factor for me where my dad really excelled uh, and my mom too, equally. Uh, we were out on the farm with him a lot. He would talk, we talked about life and dad was really good at relating biblical truth to life. Not, not in sermons, not in lectures, but just, just talking about it. And, and mom did the same. We'd get into fights and mom say, well, we need to pray. And I'd say, no, we were fighting. No, we didn't want to pray. <laughs> so I always hated it when she said we should pray when we're trying to have a good fight, <laughs> but it sure uh, changed the temperature in the room real fast. <laughs> when she did that. Um, so just to make it now, I always said, man, it's a lot he easier to disciple your kids if you're with them all day on the farm. Uh, and when you go to work and then come back and you have these narrow windows of time, you have to be even more intentional, more challenging. But uh, you know, just every window of opportunity is discipleship. And in fact, I would say you are discipling your kids every moment you're with them. Uh, one way or the other. It, it can be positive or negative, and, and, and it's both, if, if, <laughs> if you're like me. Uh, but uh, how, do you, how do you make those, those opportunities as, as positive as, as possible? And then, the, obviously, it, you get to the New Testament. Ephesians 6 says, after all the, these are household commands uh, that Paul gives a couple of times in his letters. He says, you know, husbands, love your wives, 
Um, there's there's a, the husband-wife relationship. Uh, there's uh, the um, employer-employee-slave-owner relationship, and I won't get into all that because slavery is a little different in Bible times than what we know in America in history, but uh, the that relationship, and then the father-child relationship, and I learned really well, fathers do not provoke your children to wrath when I was a kid, and my dad, he was an awesome, awesome dad, but he did have a tendency to um, not give up in terms of berating us a bit and, you know, going over and over again. And I, I decided he was provoking me to wrath and he was wrong, (laughs) but the other side of it, he actually did a pretty good job of, of, uh, bring up your child, uh, raise your child in the the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, uh, discipline there is, is, it does involve correction certainly, but discipline is, is more the idea of training. Um, uh, that uh, is very much uh, a part of that. So this is just foundational stuff for how we, uh, how we do that. So I was just challenged to give you just one thing to try this week. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of, okay, what are you doing now? Is there something that you are, are doing now? And how can you, you know, maybe just make a one small baby step forward in terms of if you're successful in doing it, uh, reading to the kids, uh, sharing scripture in one form two or three times a week, just try to add a day to that and, uh, and find ways to, to make it a priority. Um, it, it is long, I, too much, I, I did it if I had time. And that's a terrible way to do things because <laughs> you never have time. <laughs> And uh, I know this adds another level of challenge uh, that there is a sense in which it's hard to take your kids where you're not going yourself. And so in terms of if if you're starting out with your family, then don't be ashamed of that. But if um, if you've got a pattern of reading yourself, then I think you can transfer it into what your what your family is doing. You by yourself individually or you with your wife. Uh, and then just expand that. Uh, so it's kind of a double, a double challenge there. But go ahead and pull the kids into it and, uh, and share with them. So, okay. Hey, let me, uh, let me pray for you guys. God, thank you for uh, the chance to be together tonight on Zoom. And uh, I, I pray that you'll just help us to, to take a, another step forward in uh, seeking you for ourselves and then being able to invite our families, our kids, and taking them on a, on a delightful, exciting journey to know uh, what you've revealed, what you've done in history, and uh, what you've uh, accomplished for us in Christ and what's yet to come. And as they get older, that they'll know this story and this story and this story, and then begin to see how it flows together and ultimately begin to see the bigger picture. So bless each of these families. Uh, you know, these are hard days and uh, hard for parents, hard for kids, hard for everybody. And so just encourage and bless them. And I thank you in Jesus name. Amen.